start to your summer. I, uh, uh, one, one of the main reasons I follow, the, that, well, one of the main reasons I stay on Facebook uh, is to keep up with you guys uh, that are on there. Uh, to see where you're going, what you're doing, uh, if you're consuming alcoholic beverages while you're there. Um, you know, it's amazing to me some of the stuff y'all will put on Facebook, knowing that your friend follows you. But anyway, uh, just kidding. But I, I love seeing where y'all go and do, and God's blessed you and given you an opportunity to do those things. And hopefully uh, this summer you get an opportunity to take a little time off and uh, find a place of rest. And so that's what I want us to look at over the next couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about rest and what God's Word says to us about rest. And next week we'll be looking at it a little more from the, uh, the standpoint of distractions that keep us uh, from rest. Uh, because, you know, I, I know that many of you are like me uh, between work, uh, family, uh, kids and all the things that you're trying to juggle in life, uh, well, sometimes you just get tired, right? I mean, I talk to people all the time. Almost every day you'll ask how they're doing or how's it going, and they'll just be like, man, I'm just, you know, I'm tired. I'm, I'm wore down. I'm exhausted. And, and to make it all worse, we live in a culture today, especially here in the United States, that basically teaches us, that basically encourages us to overwork. And, you know, of course, you know, every study that we see, every doctor will tell you, every psychologist will tell you that overworking and working too much is bad for us. It's not good for us. Uh, you know, that's known uh, without a doubt. It's not, uh, it not only is it not good for us, but it's not good for our families. Uh, but, but I've heard a lot of people say, well, the reason I work as much as I do is because of my family, right? I've got to provide for my family. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to make ends meet. And so, you know, I do this in order to, you know, provide for my family. But I'm going to tell, tell you one of these days you're going to look up from your job and you're going to realize that your family is grown and gone. All right? Uh, in, you know, like no time at all, it's like they're babies and then they're getting married and having kids of their own. And, and so I had a boss one time uh, that uh, was probably my favorite boss ever. And I worked for him when I was at Axiom. He had been at Axiom about 25 years. Uh, I had been there just a few years. Lynette and I had been married uh, about seven years. And um, she had just had the twins. And so I took like a week off uh, because, that you know, hey, what else could I do? Uh, help her for a week and then leave it with her for the rest of the time. But uh, anyway, after a week, I went, back, I, I went back to work. And so uh, when I got back to work, my boss called me uh, that day, and he asked me to come up to his office. And I thought, well, that's not good. You know, I've been off a week. I'm getting called to the boss's office. I just had twins. This is not a good time to lose a job. He called me up. I go into his office. He shuts the door, and he says, hey, he said, uh, how are things going with the twins? And I told him I haven't slept since they were born. And so we were talking a little bit about how that was going. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, I want to give you some advice as a friend, not as a boss. And he said, I have three kids. And he said, two of which have moved out. They're grown, moved out. Uh, my son, the youngest, is a senior in high school this year. 
And he said, I want you to know that I've committed my life to this company. He said, and I've been blessed. God has blessed me with great opportunity to work with great people, you know, to make good money. And he said, you know, it's been good, but he said, I put it before my family, and now my kids are grown, and they're gone. And he said, and I regret it. He said, I regret that I put this place and this job before my family in order to provide for them. And he said, so I'm going to give you a little advice. He said, I know that you're working 60 to 80 hours every week. He said, you have kids now that are very important. He said, hey, as your boss, I'll let you work 80 hours a week. He said, that'll be just fine with me. But he said, as a dad, you need to understand that they are more important than this job, this place, and how much money that you can make in a week. And I appreciated him so much. I told him many times after that how much I appreciated him just being honest with me and sharing that with me. And so, you know, it's not only is working too much hard on your family, it's also bad for our health, not just our physical health, but our emotional health, our mental health. Uh, as well. One study showed that people who work at least 11 hours a day are, get this, 250% more likely to become depressed than those who only work eight hours a day. All right, so the studies are out there to back up, you know, how, how harmful it is for us to be overworked. But there's another reason uh, that many people today are driven uh, to, to overwork, and it's because, number one, it's how we provide for ourselves, but not only is it how we provide for ourselves, but it also relates to the privileges that we get to enjoy in life by how much we work and how much we make. You know, the privileges that we enjoy are usually in relation to how hard we work and how much money we make. So many people in the culture that we live in today here in the United States define themselves, think about it now, they define themselves based on their work. They define themselves based on their occupation. And we think that the nature of our work determines our value. It determines, you know, how, how much value we have to society and to our family. And it's kind of funny because I find myself getting caught up in this. And if you think about it, this is the way we are. Met some new people this week, some, some people that Lynette works with. They were having a conference in Hot Springs. I drove down to have dinner with them one night. So I met some uh, their spouses who I'd never met before. I caught myself doing this. The second question that I asked every single one of them when I'm at course, question number one is, you know, what's your name? Question number two, what do you do for a living? Right? We've created this culture to where we've made it important. We've made it what identifies us. And, and, and you know, whether we want to admit it or not, we determine the value of someone often by what they do. Uh, and their occupation. And, and another thing, sometimes we're driven to overwork because of our pers personality type, right? Some of you are like me, 
and we're kind of type A people, and it's all got to be done on time. It's got to be done exactly right. You know, we, we, uh, we don't want to let people down. We've got to live up to other people's expectations. Anybody in the room suffer with that like I do? You know, that's kind of how we are. So we, you know, we have to answer that email. We have to take that phone call. Uh, we have to be overachievers, uh, which often means that we are overworkers. Uh, when we do that, and some of us are attached to our phones like it's, you know, life support IV uh, that we've got to have because we think we are that important, right? Or our jobs are that important. But the bottom line is this for the most part, we're tired. <laughs> Amen? I mean, I'm looking at you. You can't, you can't hide it, huh? For the most part, we are tired, which is why I want to spend a couple weeks. Uh, focusing on and talking about rest. And I may be the only one here that needs uh, this message. It was ironic that while I was working on this, I found myself working until midnight, uh, needing to get up at 5 the next morning. Uh, but anyway, uh, I don't know if anybody else needs this message, but I, but I do. But I doubt I'm the only one here that does. So anyway, in this passage here, in he- did I tell you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4? Okay, so you're already there. All right, so anyway, in this passage of Scripture... Uh, there's a verse here that, that's intriguing to me uh, about rest. It's verse number 9 that says this. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Rest. All right? There remains a rest, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And this is similar to God's promise that he gives us over in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 11, verse 28, when Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Right? And so today and next week, I want to look at this because I believe that most of us don't have a grasp of or a good understanding of what Jesus is talking about here when he speaks of giving us rest. If anything, for most people, I mean, think about it now. If we're honest, for most people, being a Christian just means that we have more stuff to do, right? Becoming a Christian means that I have more places to go and more things that are required of me because I've become a follower of Jesus. But according to Jesus, he wants to give us Rest. He wants us to have rest. He wants to give us rest. We have a tendency to jump right into the business and busyness of, uh, of being a Christian and being a follower of Jesus. You know, serving our neighbor, being active in the church, getting busy with the spiritual disciplines that we must have in place to be a follower of Christ. But we have a tendency to skip The rest part. The part where he says, I will give you rest, which is an important part, and Jesus knew this, of us being able to accomplish the other things that he's called us to do. And until we learn to rest in Jesus, until we learn to rest in in Christ, well, all of these other things are going to be just a little bit off and not what they should be. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, I just don't do as good, right? When I'm exhausted, I don't reflect Jesus very well at all. 
Uh, if you've ever been around me when I'm really tired, some of these kids have been with me to camp. They can attest to it. About day three, I'm mad. <laughs> you know, I'm mad the whole world. And you know what is, what's unfortunate about that? Not that I'm that way. That's un- yeah, I guess that is unfortunate. But I raised two kids that are exactly like me. You know, had one walk in the other day, and man, I could tell from when he walked in the door, he was not in a good mood. Well, come to find out after a little interrogation was he hadn't got any sleep the night before. And I'm like, man, you are just like your daddy. That's pitiful. You know, but, but you know, until we figure out this rest thing, we're, we're not going to be able to do the, what God has called us to do as, effective, as effectively as, as he wants us to be able to do it. The, the healthiest And most mature Christians in this world today are not the ones that are working the hardest. They're not the ones that are working the hardest. They are the ones that have that understand how to rest in him and to rest on him. But here's the deal. Here's what we do, because I know you because I know me and a lot of you are like me, unfortunately. We often evaluate other Christians by how much they are doing, right? We often evaluate other Christians, and and, and we look at them and think, oh, look how mature they are because they're here every time the doors are open. Now, I just want to say this up front. This message is not about giving you permission to miss church. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, so if you know if you go home today and you get out of this message, well, you know I can stay home and rest from church, or I, you know, I I don't have to do hands and feet in the heat because I just need to rest. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that that God wants us to rest in Him, but He don't want us to stop doing His work in the world. All right, And, and so, but we often evaluate Christians by how busy they are. You know, they're always in church. They memorized 19 verses out of the book of Ecclesiastes last month, right? So, man, they must be holy. They must be great Christians. And the writer of Hebrews ties this rest back to this Old Testament. This is what I found interesting about it, is he ties it back to this Old Testament principle of Sabbath, All right, so I want to just take a look at that real quickly for a moment before we dig into Hebrews. I think we need to go back to the Old Testament where Moses speaks to us about Sabbath in Exodus 20, uh, chapter 20, starting at verse 9, uh, where he's given us the Ten Commandments, right? And, And he says this, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Alright, so God created the world in six days and rested on the Sabbath day. And he told us, do the same. He told us to do the same. To do what? What are we doing when we, when, when we uh, experience Sabbath in our lives? When we observe Sabbath, what are we, we doing? We're disconnecting from the world. All right, Sabbath is about, for, for God, you know, through the Old Testament and, and to the children of Israel, it, it was all about disconnecting uh, from the world, reminding 
ourselves that God is the point. God is the point of our lives. That it was God who created us. It is God that has blessed us. And it was God who, think about it now, the Israelites who had saved them. Right? And so it was a time for them to disconnect, to be grateful, to be thankful, to honor God, to recognize God for who He is. And it was also a reminder to them that we were not created for a job. We were created for God. So now back to Hebrews. According to the writer of Hebrews, all of this Sabbath Sabbath stuff, right? We carry it over into the New Testament. And all of this Sabbath talk was really to point us to Jesus. All right, let's go back. Chapter 4, let's go back. Let's back it up to verse number 8. It says, For if Joshua, who was Moses' successor, right, had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. All right, so the Sabbath that Moses and Joshua had instituted in the Old Testament, don't miss this, it did not provide the ultimate rest. All right, it pointed forward to Jesus who would then become our ultimate rest. And I know that I'm going to need to explain that. And so we just stay with me this morning as we break this down because I want to show you how through Jesus you can have this Sabbath rest. And I'll just tell you this verse right here. I always read this before. I always just simplified it. I thought for years. It says, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. Dead. Right? God's rest means you're dead. You're finished with your work, right? And I just always kind of read that into this. But that's not what that's talking about. Not what, what the writer here means uh, here in, in Hebrews. And so uh, I want us to look at how through Jesus we can have this Sabbath rest that the writer is speaking to here. And the ultimate way that Jesus is our Sabbath is this. He saved us. Okay? He saved us. And just like With Israel in the Old Testament, right, God accomplished that all by himself, all right? He didn't need the Israelites to help him save them. He he didn't need their help. And guess what? He didn't need our help to help him save us, okay? Yes, there are a lot of things that we cooperate together with God on. I mean, there's a lot we do. Uh, partnering with Him and working with Him, you know. But our salvation is not one of those things, all right? At the cross, Jesus said what? It is finished. He didn't say, I got it started, now you do the rest, right? I I love that song that we sing and and, and how it, it speaks to who He is to us. It says, you are, talking about God, talking about Jesus, you are, you are my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, you're my refuge, you're my hiding place, you're my helper, you're my healer, you're my blessed redeemer, you're my answer, 
You're my saving grace. You're my hope in those shadows, my strength in my battle, my anchor for all of my days. And you stand by my side. And you stood in my place, Jesus, no other name. Wow. That's who he is to me. That's who he is to you. If you have accepted him and become a follower of Jesus Christ, he is all of these things for you. He accomplished my salvation in my place, and all I had to do was receive it as a gift. All that I had to do was accept it, accept this gift. The writer says here, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. All right, you see what he's saying here? Now, this doesn't mean that we stop doing good works because the Bible is clear that, you know, faith without works is dead, that if you're a follower of Jesus, there will be good works. You will do good works. You will look like Jesus. And so this doesn't mean that we stop doing good works. We just stop doing them in such a way to think that we're earning something for doing them. That, you know, that, that, that we're somehow, you know, uh, doing them in such a way that we think God likes us better because we do these things, right? Listen, you can rest. You can rest by doing things that you don't have to do. Uh, I, 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 you know, think about this. If there's something that you really enjoy doing, right, it may take a lot of effort, may take a lot of energy, may take a lot of sweat. But if it's something that you don't have to do and it's something that you want to do, it's not work. Huh? It's not work. If you want to do it, we don't call that work. We call that a hobby, right? Things that we enjoy, things that we, we want to do. You know, and that gives us rest in the work. That very idea gives us rest in the work that we're doing for God as well because we're no longer doing things. We're no longer doing these things with the pressure of thinking that we have to do this in order to keep God happy, right? Or, or to retain our place in line or to somehow get some kind of favor from God if we do enough. All right, listen, if you feel like doing good or doing what God has called you to do, if that feels like a burden to you, if that just feels like something else that you've got to do this week, something else that you've got to find time for in your busy schedule, then I would suggest that you don't understand the rest that comes through a relationship with Jesus because it will not be a burden for you to follow him. It will not be a burden. Or something else that you've just got to make time for out of your busy schedule uh, to do. And, and that brings us to the second thing. Another way that Jesus is our Sabbath uh, is this. We have a new identity. We have a new identity through your salvation. Through this gift that you have received. Christ has given you an identity in Him. He's given you a new identity. All right? You are no longer an orphan. You are no longer a stranger before God. You are a son or a daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are now a brother or a sister and joint 
heirs with Jesus Christ. All right? This is your identity. Right? This is who you are. And as his child, you've been given specific gifts to use for his kingdom. No doubt about it. But friends, isn't this a better identity than you can get from your job? Isn't this a better identity than anything that you could ever put on a resume? That you are a child of the king? That is your identity? A brother or sister with Jesus Christ? And again, verse 10 says, For anyone who enters God's rest also rest from their works. Right? No longer are we laboring to identify ourselves. Right? You see what it's saying? No longer are we laboring to gain an identity. We've been given one through Jesus Christ. Our identity is in Him. So we do what we do. We use the unique gifts that we have been given, not to create our identity, not to justify ourselves, but to glorify God. All of your work, I'm going to just tell you, and you may want to argue with me, and if you want to stay after church and argue with me, uh, that's fine. I'm going home. Um, All of your work will be done for one of two reasons, to glorify God or to justify your existence. All of your work will be done for one of two reasons, to glorify God or to justify yourself to this world. And trying to create your own identity. Can I just tell you this morning, trying to create your own identity and justify who you are, folks, that's exhausting. No wonder we're tired. Because that's exhausting. God's Word says that you have a new identity in Christ. You are a chosen child of the King. He has a plan for you to use you in His kingdom. And that is a better identity for you than anything else this world has to offer. MVP, President, CEO, there's no better title, no better identity than child of the King. There's nothing you can do, folks, that will make him love you more. There's not one more thing that you can do that will make him love you more. There's also not one thing you can do that would make him love you less. You're chosen by him. And if you have his approval, can I just tell you? Can I just talk to Steve now? If you have his approval, you don't need anybody else's. (laughs) You have his approval. You don't need anybody else's. Only his. And I I know this is a struggle because this is a struggle that I fight every single day. I'm not standing up here today telling you I got it all figured out and I've got it mastered. Because I'm not good at this. Because sometimes I, I, I begin to think my identity is in how hard I work. My identity is in how many hours that I put in. My identity is in how good a job that I do. My identity is in how big the church is, right? Some weeks we'll, you know, have a drastic dip in attendance. And if you think the first thing that I, if you don't think the first thing I do when I walk out of here on a Sunday morning and I go back there in the office, first thing I do is how many? (laughs) 
All right? And then Monday, Carla knows. She, I, I get woke up every Monday morning with a text from Carla saying how much the offering was. Right? I've made these two things very important to me. It's not my identity, folks. All right? I don't give a rip anymore. I'm kidding. As your pastor, I give a great rip. But, you know, I, I, you know we have a low Sunday, and, and I'm like, what did I do wrong? And sometimes God's like, you know, ain't none of it about you. But we tend to have these irrational thoughts because we think somehow it is about us and that that's what creates our identity to everybody else around us. And even sometimes when I take a day off, I, I feel guilty when the phone rings or a text message goes off, and I'm like, wow, you know, that, that could be an emergency. I should probably get that. And, and I feel guilty when I try to take a, a day off and, and, and because I think, you know what, I'm not doing what someone thinks I ought to be doing. And so in that day of rest, I'm not really at rest because I'm worried about my identity. You know, and, and so I have to continually preach to myself my identity does not depend on success as it is measured in the world's eyes. My identity is not in that. My identity is not that. And in order for us to find rest, <laughs> this rest in Jesus, this Sabbath rest that he speaks of here, in order for Jesus to be our Sabbath, we must accept the identity that he has given us. We must accept, we must understand, we must realize, we must embrace this new identity that we have been given as His children. It doesn't come from how many hours that you work. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't come from how much uh, is on your pay stub. You know, it doesn't matter you know, how well you do what you do. Your identity comes from Him. It comes through Him. Your identity is that you're a child of the King of Kings and He wants you to find rest in that. To find rest in Him and being His child. And I want to touch on one other thing about rest this morning. Something that is a, a little more practical that we all probably need. And that's sleep. Jesus is our Sabbath. So sleep. Not now. But Will, Will, Will's not asleep. But I love this next verse. I'm thinking about Lynette and I are going to be going on vacation here in a few weeks. And I told her, I said, while we're gone, we just need to go and get a tattoo. (laughs) I've got it right here, Lynette. This is the one. Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2. I use this a lot at weddings. Some of you, I may use this at some of your weddings. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. And that's so important. If we're trying to build the house, if we're trying to build the family, we labor in vain. If he's not building it, you know, then our work is no good. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early. Amen, right? If you rise early, that's in vain. I agree. Amen. In vain you rise early and stay up late. Oh, got me there. Toiling for food to eat. Why are we doing all this? Why are we getting up early, staying up late? Toiling for food to eat. Look at this. For he grants sleep to those he loves. You ever seen that? Don't miss this. 
What's the sign here that God loves you? And looking at some of you right now, you can feel in the love of God. Huh? <laughs> but listen, listen to what he's saying here. If you're asleep, who's watching the city? If you're asleep, who's building the house? Well, the writer kind of smiles here and goes, God is. He's got it. And oh, by the way, God intended, you know, sleep to be a time every single day where we remind ourselves, I'm not God. I'm not God. He designed me and created me to lay down and get some rest. I'm not God. Friends, there's some rest in that when we understand and figure out that we're not God and we're not in control. We're not actually not in control of much of anything, right? There, there, there's rest in that. And, and again, I'm preaching to myself because the more I have going on, the more responsibilities I get, uh, the more... You know, I talk to people about things that are going on in their lives that's just, you know, tough stuff. The, the more I have trouble sleeping, you know, and, and don't, so don't send me your new miracle pillow, all right? I've already got one. Uh, or your new herbal remedy or essential oil that you want me to rub on my kneecaps and it'll make it all better, right? That's not the problem. Uh, I won't name any names here, but we have, we have a young lady. I, I call her young. Yeah, she's young. Um, have a young lady in our church that actually should have been born uh, during whatever years the hippies were, right? Uh, I call her a young hippie. Uh, she, I kid you not, she brought me uh, uh, some hemp uh, lotion, hemp lotion. I'm like, can you even give hemp lotion to a preacher? I'm not even sure about that, uh, but Shelly, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> But folks, think about it. When, when I have trouble sleeping sometimes, what am I doing? I'm worrying about who's watching the city. I can't sleep because I'm worried about who's watching the city of my family. I'm worried about who's watching the city of our church, who's watching the city of our, our congregation. But, but here's the deal. God designed us to lay down each night just to remind ourselves that we are not God. Right? He is the only one who never sleeps nor slumbers. Right? Not us. And, and so when I lay down at night, you know, I try to turn myself off even though there's a ton of stuff to do. There's a lot of stuff to worry about. You know, but God is staying up and He designed us not to. Alright? He designed us not to stay up so we can trust Him to handle Whatever it is that we can't, we can trust Him with that. At 2.30 in the morning, He's not appointed me to worry about the city, right? Or to watch over it. Or to worry about tomorrow. What did He appoint me to do? Sleep. He appointed you to sleep. Amen? Huh? He's appointed us to sleep, which must mean that He's got the city covered. He's got tomorrow covered. And it's not your responsibility to guard the city or finish the house. It's God's job to do uh, those things. It's your job to what? Be faithful. 
It's our job to be faithful. And let me tell you something. After you've been faithful to what He's put in front of you that day, after you've been faithful to the call that He's put on our lives, you know, you can lay down to sleep and leave it all in His hands. Leave the results up to Him. And so would it be okay today if I give you one really practical application to this message today? And for some of you, this may be your favorite sermon point ever in any sermon. Get more sleep. (laughs) Get more sleep. Studies today show that the majority of people need to be getting more sleep and not less. Studies show that 1% to 3% of the population is actually oversleeping. 1% to 3% of the people in our world are actually oversleeping oversleeping. And just to give you a little historical context, up until 1879, the average American was sleeping 11 hours a night. Up until 1879, the average sleep that Americans were getting were 11 hours. So what changed in 1879? Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, right? And it was then that people began to sleep less and be more busy. Another study that I saw teaches us the benefits of taking a nap. Can I get an amen? The study shows that taking a 30-minute nap at least three times a week cuts your heart attack risk by 40%. A nap. I'm for them, not against them. 30 minutes, three times a week. Cut your heart attack risk by 40%. And people who are getting plenty of rest and plenty of sleep, and you know this, are more productive than those who aren't. Right? Some of you are like, this is the greatest sermon ever. I agree. It's my favorite. Uh, So here's your homework for the week. You all have an assignment this week. Turn out the lights. Turn off the phone. Turn off the TV. And get some sleep. God's watching the city. He's got it. He's got the city. He's got the church. He's got your family. It's his job, not yours. So get some rest. Jesus is our Sabbath, and so we must find rest in him. Jesus said this in Mark 6, 31. It's when Jesus was here on the earth. He said, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to find a quiet place and get some rest. And don't miss what it's saying here. It says so many people were coming. All right, It's not like there was nothing else to do. All right, It's not like they had taken care of everybody and they had gone home. Right? It's it's not like that. there was still a line of people that had needs. They were wanting to meet him. They were wanting their help. But Jesus knew the importance. He knew the importance of making rest a priority in their lives. And when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, what Jesus is offering here is not an escape from life. Okay? He's not offering that, but instead, he's offering us a new way to go through life. A new way to deal with life. 
And here's the deal. The hardest way to live is the way that a lot of Christians are trying to live today. One of the most difficult ways to live our lives is the way that a lot of religious people are are trying to live. And, and, And instead of fully surrendering to Jesus, so many people today have adopted this checklist of things that they feel like they have to do in order to keep God happy. And folks, can I just tell you, living your life like that is only going to make you feel more burdened, more frustrated, and more tired. Right? But it is so restful to be able to get up each day and know that you're doing what Jesus told you to do. Right? And that He has promised to make all of that work. And that's the kind of rest that Jesus offers us as followers. That's the kind of rest uh, that he's talking about here, this Sabbath rest. And so if you want that kind of rest in your life, here's the key to that. You have to fully surrender yourself, your life, your family to God. When you surrender, you're done, right? When you surrender, you know, I don't know how many of you watch Live PD, greatest show on television, I'm just telling you. But when they surrender, they have given up, right? They've given up control. They've given up authority. They've given up everything. When they surrender, they're totally available to someone else. That is what is required of us by Jesus for us to be able to find rest. is just to surrender everything. Our lives, our stuff, our families, our problems, our doctor's diagnosis. And surrender that to Him. So if you want rest, you must fully surrender to Him. And this morning as we close, I just want to close together with a time of prayer because I know uh, in our congregation today, there are some people that are carrying some heavy, heavy loads. There, there are some, some stuff going on that you can't even fathom how you're going to get through it or maybe even how you're going to face tomorrow or the next few months or the next few years. And so this morning, God's been speaking to you about resting in Him and what that looks like with whatever it is that you brought with you this morning. So I'm going to ask you this morning, maybe maybe you're carrying something and you just want to bring it to this altar this morning and lay it down and leave it there. God would honor that this morning. So I invite you to come today. If you, if you need to come, you come. Maybe you would like to come pray about a situation, a need that you know of, a family that you know of that just has a, a great burden or a great struggle going on. Come right now and pray. We're all going to close together with a word of prayer in just a minute. But if you need to come pray, if you want to come pray this morning, I encourage you. So many needs in our church, so many hurting in, in our community and, and in our family, uh, church family today. So this morning as we join together, Let's remember those, but let's also be grateful and thankful to God that we can find rest from those things in Him. He he came so that we could have rest. Let's pray. God, this morning I, I thank you for number one reminding us that we're God that you're God and we're not. <laughs> that should be a great relief to a lot of people today. There's some tough stuff that's going on in people's lives, in our church, across our community. 
I was speaking with just a, a young man last night that shared about the, how he couldn't make sense out of a funeral that he had to attend yesterday of a young lady, God. And, and you know, we, we need to understand none, none, of us, none of us are really promised tomorrow. But God, there, there's a lot of bad going on in this world today that's taking lives way too soon and way too early. And God, that's, that's a difficult thing for us to navigate. That's a difficult thing for us to understand. And God, we want to try to fix it. We want to try to make it right. When you've called us to do this, you've called us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you've called us to love our neighbor as ourselves, And you'll take care of everything else after that. And so, God, I pray that you'll find us faithful in that. You'll help us to be people of love that look just like our Father, the King. Because that's who we are. We're, we're children of the King. We have a rich inheritance. We are living in an unbelievable and rich legacy that has been left for us. And so, God, when we understand who we are, then we'll love the people in this world the way that you love people in this world. We'll be able to help them. We'll be able to encourage them. We'll be a great representative of our dad. And so I pray, pray that you'll help us to be able to do that because there are so many people going through such great difficulties and tragedy right now. So help us to know how to help. Help us to know how to be encouragers. Help us to know how to love. Know what to say. Know how to listen. Know what to do. God, that we would be guided by you and guided by your spirit. And God, today we're so grateful and thankful for this reminder today that you've got it. You have you're watching the city. You're watching our family. You're watching the church. And we can rest in the fact that you're Lord over all. And so, God, today, if there's a part of us, a part of the church, part of our family, a part of our life that we've not allowed you to be Lord of you, or, or, of over, God, I, I just pray today that we would surrender that to you. We would submit that area, submit that situation to you and allow you to be Lord over it and then God you tell us that we'll find rest in you and rest in knowing you and walking with you and so I pray that for some folks here today that just need some rest they just need some peace they just need to be reminded today that you're a good good God you're a good father that loves us God today we pray for those in our church I pray for Jim today that's in the hospital right now I just pray that you would touch his body, that he would have a, a great sense of your presence there in that room. And as people enter into that room, they would have a sense that you're there and you're at work. You're a good God. God, I pray for, for John. I pray that you'll be with him as he continues uh, to, to walk through this diagnosis that he's heard. I pray that he will literally feel you walking beside him, holding his hand, carrying him the days that he needs to be carrying, doing a mighty work in his life and in his family. And 
So God, I pray that you'll help us to know how to come along beside their family. And uh, we'll be whatever it is that you want us to be. And we'll be faithful and obedient. But God, I pray that you would go beyond what we can do and do what only you could do in their lives. God, we pray for those who have lost loved ones this week. And it seems so senseless. It makes no sense whatsoever. And God, we can't make sense out of a lot of things that happen in this world. But God, we know that you're not the one doing bad. You're not the one doing evil. And that for those who love you, you work all things together, even the bad stuff for good. I pray that we would look for you in those situations, in these times. But most of all, God, that we would look upon these situations that break our heart and we would try to see how you would want to use us or plug us into that situation so that we could share the hope that we have in you. God, I continue to pray for the other churches in this community. There are a lot of great churches here in the Greenbrier, Guy area, Wooster area, all around us. Just right here locally, a lot of great people that are following you and building the kingdom. And we're grateful and thankful for them. That is not just us. It's not a competition. It's a partnership that we have with these others, brothers and sisters. And so I pray that you'd bless their work. I pray that you'd give them fruit for their labor. This morning, Cross Point, our friends over at Cross Point Baptist come to mind. I, I, I love how community-minded they are and how they are constantly giving back and showing the love of Jesus to other people outside their church. That's awesome. And I pray that you'd give them fruit for their obedience and their labor. Be with their pastor that as he stands before those people that I pray that you would give him a boldness to preach what they need to hear and not what they want to hear. But God, stir up a revival. If not in this church, in, the, in all the churches, in another church here in this community, God. So that your name would be known. Your kingdom would be grown. And more people would become followers of Jesus Christ. So God, today as we leave this place, it kind of seems like a heavy task. But God, when we understand exactly what it is and who we're doing it for and that you've got the results, it doesn't seem like such a big deal. It doesn't seem like such a big job. Matter of fact, we're grateful and thankful that we have an opportunity, that you trust us enough to allow us to do your work here. And so, God, we look forward to the opportunity. We're going to be looking for ways to serve you, looking for ways to represent you. But, God, it's you that deserves all the glory and all the honor. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you guys, and you totally have my permission to go home and take a good old-fashioned Nazarene nap. I love you.